1: Our projection of the 2024 first two rounds of fantasy football drafts. That's what we're talking about today on Stealing Bananas. I've been Gretch. You can find my newsletter at bengretch.subsite.com. With me, as always, is Sean Siegel. You can find all of his awesome work over at RotoViz. Sean, on the first episode of this two part series, we went over kind of what this exercise is and a lot of the things that. Uh, We take from it what we are saying and not saying when we are saying that some of these guys might go in these ranges because some of it is we're we're playing market sentiment a little bit, but it is an interesting exercise, a fun exercise. It's something we've done the last couple of years and we've had some success. We've had some really interesting takeaways, not, you know, perfect predictions by any means, but, you know, certainly one of the big ones last year was to be avoiding a lot of those older backs that were going in the first two rounds last year that we didn't think they could stay there and they probably weren't going to have great seasons last year. And that more or less proved to be fairly accurate. Sean, in the first episode, we went through our first rounds. I'll just read them real quick. Yours was Jamar Chase, Justin Jefferson, Garrett Wilson, Jalen Waddle, Brees Hall is your RB1 at the 105, Jackson Smith and Jigba, Bijan Robinson, CeeDee Lamb, Amon Ross St. Brown, Jameer Gibbs, Jonathan Taylor, and Tyreek Hill. That is your projected first round for 2024 fantasy football drafts. Now what's happening in a couple of months here, but what we expect to happen a year from now. Mine started with Justin Jefferson. It was a little bit more running back friendly. So I went to Brees Hall, 102, Bijan Robinson, 103, Jamar Chase, Jonathan Taylor, Garrett Wilson, Amon Ross St. Brown, Christian McCaffrey, Cooper Cup, Tyreek Hill, Jameer Gibbs. And then my 112 was a player that we didn't talk about in the last show, didn't make it into your first round either. You have him at 207. He is your RB6. He is my RB six as well, so it's a the, the the gap here is a little bit about. I'm I'm thinking the market's going to be a little bit heavier on on the running back position. It's Travis Etienne who is getting uh, a, he's falling right now. I was able to get him in a main event last night in uh, at the five ten, which was incredibly late. I thought for in an FFPC, we uh, didn't take him at the four hundred three. And he comes all the way back around to the end of the fifth round. A lot of concern about Tank Bigsby taking all of his high-value touches, playing on a short yardage snap in the preseason. Uh, Jam- uh, I think it was Jamichael Hasty played some on the passing downs. But Travis Etienne's a player who had a really good prospect profile, really good athleticism profile, drafted in the first round. Yes, it was a pre- previous regime. He gets hurt and misses a year as well. There are some concerns. But then comes back last year with this great profile behind him and runs for over five yards a carry, and is really efficient over seven yards per target in the passing game. And people are just projecting out his volume. I mean, projected volume is where we run into mistakes in fantasy football,
2: isn't it? Yeah. I've been drafting him in the fourth round a lot recently because – I want to get my exposure up there was this weird dynamic where i've been a little bit scared of tank despite the fact that the actual talent gap between these two players is massive and then doug peterson came out and said he could run for 16 or 1700 yards and i'm like well i mean this is maybe my favorite current player from a talent perspective at the running back position certainly when you account for sort of where he's going so is he as good as Hall? Name probably not but etn was so good last year and one of the things i wrote about in that piece is that peterson claims he's going to run for sixteen seven hundred yards but then all makes all these claims about the things he did wrong last season which you can look up in our advanced stat explorer are not true so <laughs> he's so good that he's able to overcome like the perception even of that but then you think like what would happen if he took the next step and one of the things I always like to do, again, for like calibrating our expectations of talent is to think through where some of these guys were as prospects. Now, there's been meaningful injury since this, but also incredible production since the injury. But you think back and you're trying to calibrate your expectations like, okay, well, Bijan Robinson is going in the middle of the first round right now. You look at their peak seasons in college, Travis Etienne averages more than one yards after contact per attempt higher than robinson in their two peak seasons his evasion rate is nine percentage points higher it's over 40 percent, which is insane his yards per route over a yard per route higher in terms of peak season over a yard per route higher right so again when people are like oh you know tank big c is going to do this tank big C is going to do that I'm like he really struggled in college right? People, when they're looking at his prospect profile, like, well, he was a big-time recruit, and he did some things as a young player, and then the offensive environment got worse, so there are some excuses for him. And you're like, you don't really need to make excuses for Travis Etienne. I mean, he is just that good. Now, is there a world in which he just gets hurt? I mean, obviously, that world exists. And you think about some of the other guys that we have liked in this general range in the past, and you look at A deandre swift who from a pure talent perspective probably should be at the very least a second round pick but now people are scared of kenny gainwell and and how's the eagles offense going to work it's possible to get in bad situations it's possible to get dinged up it's possible for guys who are going to be very good on a per touch basis to not really have the profile we're looking for i think that etn is both too good isn't too good of a situation and is too early in his career coming off of what was just a fantastic debut in the NFL to be there with thinking through his risk. So, when you're telling me you could see him in the first round next year, I, I can certainly buy that. I've been a little bit more conservative putting him kind of mid second, but mid second in the current ADP environment, which you know, we could get a bounce back. But mid-second in the current ADP environment is being very high on a running back. It is. Yeah. And
1: like I said, it's it's RB6 for both of us. I think you broke down ETN very well. I I would just, you know, make some other comps. You know, you brought up Bijan. I think people are worried about the high value touches, but they are to such an extent that they're not paying attention to the profile, like the way that the market is playing it. You just laid out why the profile is so good. It could be in some ways comparable to like Nick Chubb who is a player who doesn't you know, necessarily get the high value touch. He has gotten a lot of the goal line work the last couple of years. So I realize the touchdown like, expectation might be different, but part of the reason Nick Chubb continues to go as high as he does is he's just really, really good as a running back. ETN is a good running back. And and it, it's bizarre that he didn't get enough receiving work last year or uh, yeah, last year, because he was so productive in on the work that he did get. There is stuff in his scouting report. People who watch him say he's not a natural receiver. He does have, you know, a little bit of drops issues here and there. But when he gets the ball in his hands in space, he has so, such an electric ability that he he still is a very efficient player in the passing game. So you would think over the course of his career, his coaches and his teams would be like, oh, yeah, well, I mean, yeah you have to deal with the occasional drop. But when we get him to the, the ball on these pass plays out on the edge, we get 60-yard gains out of it. That seems pretty good. Let's do some more of that. When we do it for Tank Bigsby, he just doesn't have the same burst. I watched their preseason game. Tank Bigsby had a long run, looked great. It was not close what they look like as runners. I I, I have a preseason stealing signals, you know, observations piece that's going to come out. But it it was just, I mean, Bigsby, I'm not trying to like, you mentioned there's positives in his profile. I'm not trying to say that we can't take Tank Bigsby because we can. But his long run happened where there was really poor defense. He had a nice cutback and he got going. But it was just clear to me that, you know, seeing him for the first time coming in after ETN, he just does not play at the same speed as ETN plays at, as expected, frankly, if you look at their profiles. And I think that's the type of thing that over 17 weeks matters more than what we're hearing in in the Doug Peterson quotes and what we're seeing in the preseason usage. If ETN is that much better, if Bigsby starts to struggle in short yardage or whatever, they're just going to go back to more ETN. That's the way that it works with the really great players. That's what we're basically projecting will happen when we say that he's going to be a top two-round player next year.
2: And you, and you even look at you know Tank Bigsby, where I, I don't want to at all give the impression that I've been grinding tape on him, but we use a lot of the sports info solution data in our tools and in our articles, and they have him charted for seven drops on 62 catchable targets over the last two years, which is really bad. And we also talk about drops can be very fluky. Right. So that's not to say that he can't catch or he's not going to do well. But when we're trying to, again, calibrate our expectations, one of the things that I mentioned in my article was that Bigsby was stuffed at a higher percentage in college last year than Travis Etienne was at the NFL level. <laughs> again, there, there, are, there are big gaps. In There's kind of wide gaps. We're not making this up.
1: Yeah, yeah. No, it's those are two great, great additional notes. So Etienne was my 112. And so then we go into our second round, Sean. Your second round I mentioned on the last show started with Cooper Cup and Christian McCaffrey. I had those guys at the back end of my first. My second round starts with CeeDee Lamb, who's a guy you had at 108. I have him at 201. And then at 202, my RB7, and he's a guy that did not make it into your list, although you only had seven running backs ranked on your list, as opposed to 12 for me in the first two rounds. I had Austin Eckler still sticking around here. He is a guy that when I've gone through the projection process and everything else, I'm excited for now. He is an older back and it's a really great example. When you look at this exercise from last year of the guys that fell out of those types of potential players, the only reason I'm still this high on him really is sort of situation. And that's scary, but everything is gray area in fantasy football. And sometimes the situation is just perfect. And the situation for Austin Eckler is in a league where we talked about on a recent show, the high value touches are falling he was the NFL leader in receptions last year by like 20, and he was second in green zone touches as well. Those are the two elements that go into high-value touches. He was the dominant high-value touch player, and this year the Chargers offense looks like one that could run an absolute ton of play. So presuming he stays healthy, I think he scores at a level through those high-value touches that justifies at least, even as people will be concerned about his age, at least an early second round pick was my thought on him. I do totally see your ranking of, of, of or or lack of ranking of having him in your neck just missed uh, column here.
2: And for me, it's the potential that things could really change for him when we're looking at 2024. You talk about the situation and we think about the concerns that you have for a Travis Etienne and a Kenneth Walker. And I've made the case look, I mean, Bigsby and Charbonnet probably can play at the NFL level and they probably would be starters for a couple of teams. But maybe we're overemphasizing the amount of touch pressure they can really put on. Maybe I'm massively underestimating it. So keep that in mind as well. But Austin Eckler, the Chargers don't have another running back that you could even reasonably put on the field. Like if if health weren't an issue, then Austin Eckler would play 100% of the snaps for the Chargers. That's how bad the touch competition is there which especially when you're Austin Eckler, that's great. You have McCaffrey and Eckler in your newly released rankings as the one and two guys and in a tier by themselves, so not Bijan with them. I think that makes perfect sense for 2023. I think that we could have Eckler be not necessarily a league-winning back, but a back where if you draft Eckler and then you draft a good team, you're going to be in great shape, and you come out of 2023 very happy with that and then still, when you're looking ahead to 2024, you're thinking, this is, I mean, we saw kind of the beginning of the end last year, and I don't want to be in on that Camara collapse, Cook collapse type of season in 2024. I'm going to look at him more in the third round. And if he has this good a year as we, we both kind of think he will in 2023, if you wait till the third round in 2024, you're probably just not drafting him. But I, I think...
1: After you just laid that case out, I think you're absolutely right. The backups have been so bad for so long, and even if he gets a little nick or something this year, they're gonna they're gonna upgrade that RB two spot, and it is gonna hurt his ADP when he goes into his age 28 season. I think it will be next year, or maybe he's already 28 this year. So it is it's up there. It's not 26. You know, we are talking about a guy who is the, the market's gonna get scared off by that age number. Is the point? Uh, this is what it's like to, to do these types of exercises with Sean Siegel, folks. You get a peek behind the curtain. He just makes a, you didn't you didn't even refute that, that Eckler is going to have a great year. You just make a really great point about how the market is going to see him going into next year. And I think you're absolutely correct. Your 201, 202, I mentioned Kup and McCaffrey. Your 203 is A.J. Brown. Higher than I have him. I, I dropped him all the way down to 207 because I am a big A.J. Brown hater now. My two hundred three was a running back, another running back that you did not have listed, in Javante Williams. What do you think about that ranking, Sean? Javante Williams in there? Yeah, I mean AJ Brown. I think people can can guess what
2: we're thinking in terms of like, having him false as in AJ America. Brown. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, no, Javante is so interesting, and I'm looking at it here, and I kind of want to give you a hard time because. You have him ranked 17th i mean if he's gonna jump into round two he's gonna need to outperform your ranking you have him at 17th and you have him after what i'm looking at your sheet which i love which you not only have the rankings and the tiers but i love the spots in the rankings where it says big tier break that's my favorite and we were kind of joking about looking at these two together and i am currently doing the apex experts draft and i select at i don't know one of the turns Evan Ingram and I pull up your rankings. And my two choices there. I thought about going with both FryarMuth and Ingram. I decided to pull a trigger on the Jacksonville guys together. I'm looking at this. I I selected Evan Ingram, which is after a big tear break <laughs> from Pat Fryermuth. So. That's a lot of fun. Anyway, Ben's rankings fantastic. Make sure you subscribe over to Stealing Signals. Yeah, it's I like, like just... to do
1: them all in tiers just to explain. But in a couple spots for each position, I have the, the, the bigger tier breaks where there's some you know pretty big drop offs. It's something that a subscriber suggested a couple years ago. And I think it makes sense. Some of the tier breaks are larger. So you know it's important to emphasize that.
2: I love it. I love it. So you do you did give Javante Williams the honor of bolding him at least which makes him a target but you've got him ranked 17th he's gonna have to blow that away to get up here (laughs) into round two now Javante Williams is another one of like the four or five guys that I'm looking at on my board that are such clear values that I've written many many words on them you don't have to sell me on Javante Williams talent are are we thinking that he's going to be healthy enough right away because one of the things is that he seems to be ahead of Brees Hall and yet. I do think that there is a potential element where it's a little bit of a slower build, and maybe Brees Hall kind of blows by him, and at midseason Hall is in a better spot. And we're really looking at twenty twenty four as the season that Javante Williams unleashed on the NFL and just wreaks havoc. Now that would fit with your ranking of him, but are people going to be seeing that ahead of time enough to draft him in round two? I think the exciting thing
1: in in t- in 2023 drafts and that justifies around 17 or the the 17 you know, RB17 ranking from you know a positive perspective. You're saying it's too low, and I, I love that, but it is a lot higher than the market. Um, is that we could see some really great production down the stretch and see that the special stuff we talked about on the last show when we went through Jonathan Taylor, sort of a similar idea where if there is a little bit of a slow start, or you know, I don't think the holdout's gonna be that big of a deal, but by the end of the season, you're going to see some special things from him, and it's part of the reason we expect him to, you know, to to be back in the first round next year. Uh, Javante Williams is a guy. I I think you you laid it out exactly how I was thinking through it. In fact, and and really, the only reason he comes in here for me and he lands on your just missed list is uh, I have way more running. I, I'm I'm projecting a more frothy running back drafting marketplace where. He's my RB8. You only projected seven running backs in the first two rounds. I don't think you have him as your first running back uh, off the board uh, after these two rounds. So you wouldn't necessarily have him at RB8, but probably not too far behind where I was ranking him within the position, but very similar to how you described it. I think it will be sort of a slow build. That's sort of what we're looking at. But that drafters this year will get mid-season and late-season production that as you ask the question and pose it to me, when we go into next offseason, we'll get them very excited about Javante Williams again, and they will be projecting it forward and excited to rank him into the second round again. That's sort of the, the thought process at least. So he's my 203, my 204 and 205 are guys you had in your top six, J- Jackson Smith and Jigba and Jalen Waddle. We talked through them on the last episode, your 203, AJ Brown, your 204 and 205. Are two players that I didn't want to leave off. So I did the same thing I did last year. I'm just like, I love to cheat on the cheat about this. And I, I just put them both at the 212. So I have Chris Olave and Travis Kelsey as my 212s slash 301s. You have Olave at 204 and Travis Kelsey at 205. So not projecting as much of a drop from Kelsey or for Kelsey, as I am. And we talked through on the last show a little bit about how these older guys, even when they have great years, are going to fall probably. So Kelsey, maybe not 100 points better than all other tight ends like he was in 2022. Maybe he's only 50 points better than all other tight ends in 2023. And then probably he's a second round pick because people are going, well, now he's 35. He's falling off. But Olave is an interesting one because you have him at 204. I have him falling almost out of this round. He is someone to me... We talked on the last show about sort of this difference between like the, the really transcendent talents and how Jamar Chase, even when his numbers don't necessarily back it up, is just so good. There's a reason he's going at 102, even though we had missed time last year and all of those things. I think Chris Olave is an incredibly good football player. I rank. I think I'm drafting a lot of him in the second round this year. I think he's going to be right at the 2-3 turn next year. I don't think he's going to make the type of step that I projected for like a Garrett Wilson when I ranked him at 106. And I think next year there'll be a little bit less excitement over him basically going into year three. Still like, oh, he's very good. We're going to rank him at the 2-3 turn. But that he's going to slip a little bit from where he was ranked this year basically despite what I expect to be a very good 2023. But sort of on this track where he's no longer viewed as a budding, future top five pick type. You have him at 204. So it doesn't seem like you're thinking he's a future top five pick type. What do you see for him in 2023 and 2024?
2: I think he's going to be good, right? I think he's going to be one of these players where if you draft him in the second round, you're going to be fine with that. And there's certainly some upside from there. One of the things that's easy to miss when you're nervous about Derek Carr, which is certainly justifiable, is that maybe Derek Carr is one of these guys where with the alpha you actually get locked into quite a bit of target volume and maybe it depths the work pretty well for you. One of the things with Chris Olave that was interesting as a rookie is really just like how much he outperformed what he had kind of put on both tape and peripherals in his final year at Ohio State. One of the things that gives me a little bit of pause when I think about him is just Again, with that 4,000-word that article about JSN, one of the things that it goes into in some detail is looking at when the three of those guys were together at Ohio State, and JSN was so clearly the best, but also Garrett Wilson is very clearly the second best. And, I mean, if you're the third-best guy in your college team, can you be a clear first-round pick in the NFL and fantasy? Well, the answer may turn out to be yes. I mean, we would be looking at those three guys as, like, yeah. top seven picks next year. So maybe the answer really is yes.
1: You're asking if, if if all three of them could be first-round picks. Before Chase and Jefferson, we were asking if two of them could be,
2: and now they're the top two picks in fantasy. So The top two picks. Yeah. I, it's been crazy how concentrated some of the collegiate talent has been in the recent past. So I think you can look at that in both directions. One of the things that does jump out to me for Olave is like how good Andy Dalton's numbers were last year. Which, I mean, Andy Dalton, one of the arguments... For, like, how good CD Lamb was early in his career was that <laughs> he actually had to play with Dalton when Dak Prescott is injured and Dalton did a number on him. Well, last year with the Saints, Chris Olave elevated to Andy Dalton <laughs> to where he had good numbers. Kind of like you're back to thinking, well, you know, this is what AJ Green would do for him. And so when you look at the kind of causation from wide receiver QB and the different ways that it flows, that portion was pretty interesting. I do think, too, as a floor play, that when you think about the environments there in the NFC South, you think about the fact that the Saints are going to play all those games in domes, and you contrast that with the Jets and some of these other players from the AFC East, where you start to get to the high-value games in fantasy, and you're like, well, you know, are they going to be playing in mud that's sloshing around? Is it going to be raining sideways? Are we going to get sleet and snow and 30-degree wind, 30-mile-per-hour winds? We tend to not put too much emphasis on that again, from kind of a global perspective. But there are some little elements here that I think do help Olave and give him the kind of floor where I think he'd have to be pretty bad in 2023 to not, you know, be a top 16, 18 pick next year. I think that makes
1: a lot of sense. I guess I'm a little bit concerned about, just a little bit, a healthy Michael Thomas, who's obviously years removed from when he was at his absolute peak. But all the, you know, I I watched their preseason game, uh, all the buzz about Jawan Johnson, Derek Carr to him like three times in a row. And I was just like, oh, man. I mean, like Jawan Johnson and Michael Thomas going to hurt the Olave breakout. But maybe I'm just, you know, I just watched this game yesterday. So maybe I'm a, a little bit reactive to that right now and won't even be feeling that way a, a week from now. That was your 204 and 205. I mentioned mine were JSN and Jalen Waddell guys you had in the first round. With the exact same 206, Mark Andrews, probably fairly... Easy to figure out where, why we have him there, a guy who's been floating in this general range or into the third round the last couple of years. We do expect a bit of a bounce back to get him back into the second round. At 2.07, you have ETN, who we just talked about at the top of the show, I had at 112, and I have A.J. Brown, who we just mentioned you have at 2.03. So that gets us to the back five picks of the second round. And to this point, I've only had two more running backs in my second round, it gives me eight running backs total so far. To this point, you have six running backs, so we are pretty close to much more closer to balance at, at this point. But these final five picks, I jammed in a bunch more running backs. You jammed in a bunch of receivers, which I mean, I you know, we love the receivers. I, I I totally get. I I I'm mostly thinking through what I think the the market might do with some of these guys, and that some of these running backs are going to be desirable next year there is one running back that we both ranked and that is uh Ramondre stevenson who i have at 209 you have a 211 moving up just a touch from where he's at right now the other three that i have are kenneth walker saquon barkley and tony pollard barkley and pollard are obviously going higher than this spot having them fall just a little bit, thinking maybe a good but not great seasons necessarily. You have Walker and Barkley on your next miss. You didn't even mention Pollard on your next miss. Was that, was that an oversight, or is that a, a, kind of a, a statement on Pollard?
2: The Pollard situation I have a hard time with because he's the profile of back that I've always really liked, but he's also the profile of back that i try to not chase and that's been you know really one of the kind of foundational tenets of zero rb is that you draft these guys who are so exciting and you win with them and you fall in love with them and then the next year you have to actually let them go i don't think pollard has the overall profile to command the right kind of workload to stay in that range to score that many points i guess i don't I'm not that worried about the Dallas offense. A new writer for us, Matt Irby, has written about Dallas and how they're probably a little bit oversold. And so it's not really selling this McCarthy team as much as it is thinking that Pollard probably is one of those guys who belongs more where you're getting guys like Travis Etienne right now, where you're getting a Kenneth Walker right now. If we get another year that is good, not great, and we make another year that's great, right? And he'll more or less hold. But that's the kind of range that I think he probably should be going in if we're not overreacting sort of viscerally to what happened last season. I think
1: that makes a lot of sense. And then Walker can probably be viewed sort of as the Pollard riser, has a similar season to what Pollard did last year maybe, and is up here next year. So those are the running backs I had. I I mentioned I had a Lave Kelsey as sort of a combo uh, 2.12. So that's the rest of my list. The rest of your list includes Ramondre Stevenson at 2.11. includes T. Higgins at 2.09 and Devonta Smith at 2.10. I wound up – I dropped Devonta out. I thought I left T. in, but I – in adding all these running backs, somehow managed to to knock T. out. So I have both Devonta and T. sliding out. It wasn't really intentional on T. I probably would have taken one of those running backs out actually – to get T back in. But you have them at 209, 210, not really particularly hard to understand. You do have Higgins ahead of Devonta Smith, which which I think is at least a little bit notable, but not really particularly hard to uh, understand that those guys are going in those ranges. The two really exciting names that you have here to close your second round are George Pickens at 208, so if you're wondering which of you know the youngsters, Sean, I was wondering which was going to make it in here. I thought maybe it was going to be Jahan Dotson. I thought maybe it was, it was George Pickens at two eight, and then a rookie going into year two. Another one you had Jackson Smith and Chick about one oh six, and it's Quentin Johnston at two twelve. And so, Sean, we could talk about both of these guys pretty easily, but Johnston is one who has a pretty newsy uh, first preseason game where a lot of people were pointing out drops. He had a couple of drops. First plays a comeback. He doesn't really make a strong play on the ball and drops it. Second, deep ball uh, over his outside shoulder. A little bit of a tough play. I think it's one of those plays where if he brings it in, people are going, ooh, this guy's a star. But still should have caught it, and it is still a drop when he drops it. Does wind up catching a touchdown on a really nice fake out in slant move and gets just basically wide open for an easy throwing lane. You see the size What I loved about it was that the team seemed, I mean, they didn't have all their guys active. They had very few. He was playing with the backups. But they seemed to say, we want to speed up your timeline. We don't want you playing 30% of the snaps in week one and then building to a big snap roll late in the year. We want to get you out there and throw to you every single play. They threw to him on the first play in the flat. They threw to him on a curl not long after. They took the deep shot to him not long after. They took the shot to him in the red zone. Call the play where he was the first read in the red zone when they got that opportunity. He winds up with six targets, which in limited preseason run. Guys are not usually racking up six targets. He barely ran any routes. I wonder what his target spread run was in that game. Probably 50%. I mean, it was absurd. They were trying to get him in the flow of things. I took all that as much more of a positive than I took the dra- drops as a negative. Looks like they're thinking he's got he's to be a big part of this offense this year. We want to get him up to speed.
2: What is the bull case on him? Well, this is a six foot three 280 pound 280 he's not 280 but a six foot three 208 pound receiver with 97th percentile explosion he's a guy who again with the sis numbers that are a little bit different than if you're looking at pieva had 3.4 yards per route last season three consecutive good years in yards per route at tcu and had crazy numbers In broken tackles and forced missed tackles per reception. Right. So you're talking about a guy who is checking all of these boxes that for fantasy you love. And one of the things that has really jumped out at training camp with him is he's making all these highlight catches that sort of offset the drops. One of the concerns for Johnston was that he's not a great contested catch guy, which would wipe out a lot of that 97th percentile explosion. But one of the things that I think it's important to keep in mind is that if you, have a 40-inch vertical and are 6'3", you are always open. And that helps you because they can just throw it up to you. If you don't catch all of those, that's fine. I mean, yes, you'd prefer to catch as many of them as you can, and he has been in practice. But if you have some of these plays where because you have that always open ability, you're being put in situations where you just simply don't make all of the catches, that doesn't take away from the rest of the profile where he's also a manufactured touch guy. But we're talking about a guy who is always open And it's also a manufactured touch player. It's this potential fantasy bonanza. Now he wasn't so good at TCU where you just ignore everything else and say, draft him everywhere and and figure out how to move up for him in dynasty and and make all these moves. There's a little bit of risk with him and you would still prefer that he had been even better in college. We want to get that on the record too. But when you look at someone who's come out and is having a fast camp as a rookie and has all of these things that he can do from a traits perspective was a first round pick and has justin herbert so i've written some things that are not necessarily anti-justin herbert but a little bit skeptical about where he goes in a variety of formats i think that herbert is one of these guys who in many ways is a better reality player than he is a fantasy player, even though he's got some (laughs) really good fantasy seasons from, you know, look at 2021, for example. But the other thing here, and you talk about wanting to be a year early instead of a year late, but also we're talking about what's going to happen in 2024. You have age risk for Keenan Allen and Mike Williams. I don't want to say he's just a guy that doesn't quite do service to him, both what he was in college and what he has managed in these, you know, very brief, healthy stretches as a professional but if Quinton Johnston is the good version if he's the exciting version that we saw at times at TCU and that you're seeing in training camp there is nothing about what Mike Williams does that will block Quinton Johnston so you can kind of remove those guys almost from the equation And if Keenan Allen is good enough in 2024 to draw some coverage and to keep people off of Johnston then that's actually a win for you I think as someone who you know is a Johnson dynasty manager or is thinking about him next season, I think that Johnson has a good year, blows up. Like you said, they want to get him involved early. They need him to take that step back as an offense to compete with the Kansas City Chiefs because we tend to think of, oh, it's the Bills and the Bengals and those teams want to beat the Kansas City Chiefs. It's not just them, right? The, the Chargers have Justin Herbert and think, you know, if we don't go get them this year, then we're starting to squander our window. Our coaches are going to be under pressure. Our front office is going to be under pressure. You've got to go get the job done for that to happen. I mean, it really does have to run through Quentin Johnson as aggressive and as like overly early exuberant as it seems.
1: Yeah, I'm right there with you. We saw last year that when both Keenan Allen and Mike Williams missed time, Josh Palmer, Gerald Everett, these other guys weren't really able to step up and fill that void and be the, the key targets. And I think that's why they went out and got Quentin Johnson in the first round. And now they have this third receiver, and he's a first-round pick. Like They they want to use this guy. makes a lot of sense with Herbert and where that team is going, that he could be the guy, and, and obviously the age of Keenan Allen, as you mentioned, that he could be the guy going into 2024
3: one of my absolute favorite things in the entire world is attending a live events the atmosphere the sound all the little intricate details you can see when you're there live in person it is just an amazing time one of the biggest downsides though of it can be the stress and trying to find tickets before the event to make sure you get the best seats and that is where game time comes in buying tickets to your favorite events shouldn't be stressful game time is the fast and easy way to buy tickets for sports music comedy and theater near you with killer deals on last minute tickets and their best price guarantee you can stop stressing over tickets start getting hyped for the fun that you're about to have game time is the place to get those last minute ticket deals and it's the fastest growing ticket app in the country for a reason exclusive flash deals on all the events coming up and you can buy tickets in a matter of seconds two taps and you're set and you can snag tickets today without the stress with game time download the game time app create an account and Use the code Rotoviz for $20 off your first purchase. Terms apply. Again, create an account and redeem code ROTOVIS for $20 off. Download Game time today. Last-minute tickets. Lowest price guaranteed.
0: We're driven by the search for better. But when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search match with Indeed.
1: And then, Sean, the other guy that you had at 208 was George Pickens. He scores a touchdown in his first preseason game. I got some people mad at me on Twitter because I saw a lot of people saying George Pickens is the best Steelers wide receiver after that touchdown, and so I tweeted out that Deontay Johnson was actually the more impressive receiver on that drive because he got wide open three times on the drive. Pickens looked really good. Completions, three to three to Deontay, one to, to Fryermuth, and then a nice one to uh, George Pickens pick it. And and yeah, my my comment was that Pickens touchdown only happened because the safety made a terrible angle. It was a really nice play and a good catch. But, you know, regardless of your, uh, your opinion on that uh, particular play, I I have liked, and you have, we have talked through this, uh, liking both guys, all offseason, more or less. Pickens clearly the younger one, the more alpha type profile. Neither of us is putting Deontay Johnson in our, in our top two rounds for next year. But what is it about Pickens that gets him there for you over the other year two guys over Traylon Burks over uh, Jahan Dotson over uh, any of those names that could have been, you know, additional options to make the leap.
2: Well, I have Dotson in my just missed range and I do think he's a threat I, I want to keep myself grounded a little bit with this Washington commanders offense, where I think you've got a really wide range of outcomes. And yet I also think that despite the really wide range, probably the thing that like, maybe none of us are thinking about the fact that maybe a kind of boring, positive outcome will happen because I think there are a lot of us who are like, well, it's either going to crash and burn and Sam Howell is going to get benched and just, it's going to be disastrous for everyone. And maybe Jacoby Brissett goes in there and re-establishes some level of sanity, and they're that boring commander's offense that they've always been, regardless of if you have the enemy call in place or not. Or how is going to break out and he unlocks these guys for all these vertical targets and hopefully for his own fantasy purposes, runs some, does that kind of thing. Obviously, mixed in the first preseason game. I loved when he extended that drive by making the defender who Would have stopped him short of the first down, kind of a one on one makes the guy miss like it was nothing. And so it's not going to always happen, but you like to see that athleticism from him. Also, some good things deep. They have trouble blocking anybody. That's going to be a problem, especially since Howell will take some sacks. You know, is it going to be Dotson who scores the touchdown over the other pieces there? I mean, obviously, Terry McLaurin's still there and still good. There was an early target to Curtis Samuel, which I think you know you really should have him on your radar late talk a lot about Dotson I, or, or the Commanders in general i think what we're most likely to get is this kind of building year where they are solid and the pieces look good and then maybe you're starting to build some enthusiasm for 2024 and that wouldn't be quite enough i don't think to elevate dotson because among other things if he's going to get into that range he's going to have to overcome Terry McLaurin and we might still be a year early on that even though Dotson has demonstrated an incredible nose for the end zone early. Blair Andrews has a fantastic article on metrics that make a difference for fantasy and specifically looking at things that are undervalued in terms of that difference between how they predict ADP versus how they predict fantasy scoring. And, you know, hopefully it doesn't come as a huge surprise to our listeners, but things that people like to bag on like scoring touchdowns and different efficiency measures are actually something that you really want to lean into when you're trying to find guys who are going to have that positive gap between where they're drafted and where they end up scoring. I think Dotson is a good guy there. But the other guy I think is really good for it is Pickens, right? Where you have a player who, yeah, we would have loved to have seen him command more targets last year. And there are elements that come up that raise some red flags about his target generating capacity. And that part of it, I think, is interesting because we don't want to go into this saying oh george pickens you know he was good like way way back as a freshman in college he caught some highlight passes last year he's caught some highlight passes in training camp and now he's going to be the next superstar that's too simple of a way to look at it we always talk about how you can make things overly complicated and just like focus on like how good is the guy but you could also be too simple i think that would be too simple, but. You have a lot of elements for pickens where he's probably being asked to do some things that artificially deflate his target generating capacity and one of those would be to run relatively simple vertical routes to where he wasn't really being asked to do anything other than force the defense to cover him and open things up underneath i think especially when you have him as a rookie and you have kenny pickett as a rookie Those are going to be plays where he's being asked to clear out and open things up for other people where when you look at 2023, he could actually be the target on that and or he's going to have a more multiple route tree that he can run. And that's one of the things they've talked about from a team perspective. He's talked about that. Ben, you know, I I mentioned from time to time that I don't consume a ton of additional media and it's not in any way that I don't think that they're, I mean, the coverage of fantasy sports and the coverage of reality sports in 2023 is amazing, right? It's just absolutely amazing. So it's not in any way trying to suggest like I've got it figured out and other people don't. It's the opposite of that. But yeah, I do occasionally run into things that are so striking to me that I, you know, do incorporate them into my thinking and, and you know, want to mention them. And there was this article on The Ringer about George Pickens by Kevin Clark and it was such a cool article you know in so many ways but one of the ways that he really brought out was that like george pickens is a weird dude and i don't think that that probably comes as a shock to people but it was still amazing to him, like just how weird and like how aggressively weird he is on purpose and he was talking all the time about like when i'm out there i'm just trying to do the weirdest thing possible and like pushing over defensive backs and just like running routes incorrectly or like borderline incorrectly on purpose because if you do that the defensive back won't know what you're doing because he's <laughs> expecting you to do it correctly i mean this dude is so much fun right and i mean there's obviously been plenty of coverage of his claim that he's the best receiver in the world which people just laugh at because it's so obviously not true and yet and probably you know if you're on social media there's been plenty of coverage of like his breakdown but i just want to mention his breakdown because i thought it was awesome right When I mean, you get into the detail here's like I'm not gonna lie to you. If you want a receiver, you create a player. that's, oh, I'm gonna put this blocking 99, catching 99, speed 99. That's me. Anybody else that's almost like 85s, but they've got Aaron Rodgers. <laughs> so he's like, <laughs> it's like I'm 99. Everybody else is 85, and the people who are like roughly similar, they've got Aaron Rodgers as their quarterback, like peak Aaron Rodgers. So again, I mean Pickens, what he's put on tape in terms of actually catching the ball is insane. You've mentioned that you like Kenny Pickett. We had this little email back and forth where we were kind of contrasting some of the things in our rankings, and you're more aggressive in your ranking of Kenny Pickett. And what I'm trying to do is, like, find some drafts to not take him in, because my exposure is so high that I'm terrified, just absolutely terrified. Yeah.
1: Right? But he looked great in that first preseason game, so I'm ready. I'm all in. That's
2: perfect. That's perfect. I mean, and the team is talking about, oh, we think he's going to have, like, a Trevor Lawrence-like leap and again, to just inject the right amount of skepticism, Trevor Lawrence came in as a generational type of prospect, got terrible coaching, and then got good coaching. And you see the leap like midway through his second season. Pickett comes in as a very borderline type of prospect and is in the same environment that he kind of struggled in last year. So there are some key differences. If I can inject it, something on my comment, he played one drive. I said he had a great preseason game. He played one drive.
1: So let's, I, I want to pump the brakes on that as well.
2: Well, I mean, throw a bunch of great passes and then go sit, right? Don't, yeah. don't risk it. Do it. <laughs> so I, I think there are a lot of things going in the right direction here. You, you listen to people who are following the Steelers, which that can be a real danger. Some of the worst recommendations we've given are recommendations where you're like, okay, the team observers are saying this. And you're like, no, you've got to have the the broader perspective. But the original underdog ADP for these guys, when the tournament first opened, had Pickens ahead. And then you get this flip, and not just a flip, but Deontay Johnson goes ahead by multiple rounds when you have the influence of projections. And I think that (laughs) Deontay Johnson is still undervalued but when you listen to what team observers are saying, where they are claiming that you might even get a targets flip, which would be catastrophic for Johnson based on where they're targeted, but you could get that. But then also when you think about what happened last season, where Pickens advantage on a per target basis was like over three yards per target, a three and a half yard advantage on Deontay Johnson. So not that that's going to carry over either. We expect some positive bounce back for Johnson from an efficiency perspective. But you have a lot of things that are aligned pointing to Pickens that if he does emerge a little bit as a route runner and as a player just kind of gaining some maturity and getting into year two, you have more upside in this setup than for a lot of other situations that I think are maybe a little bit higher profile in the fantasy community. Certainly Pickens is going to always be high profile because he's very (laughs) admittedly and intentionally a clown, which is going to get you attention. But sometimes I think that can even distract from the positives that he brings, like kind of send your mind in a different direction as opposed to focusing on what he is as a talent.
1: I love that story. I got to find that article. I've not read that one. That sounds amazing. Uh, I'm excited to learn more about Pickens. Sean, we'll talk about the guys who fell out. Let's talk about our honorable mentions first real quick, because it's a lot of guys that uh, the other one ranked. So I had both. Pickens and Quentin Johnson in my honorable mentions, and Dotson, who you have. I also threw Burks and Addison. I kind of just threw them all in a group. My first honorable mention was whichever of Olave or Kelsey didn't make my actual list. Uh, I've thrown T. Higgins into this as well because I erroneously left him out. Probably would have had him in. Um, Devonta Smith, Stevon Diggs, Devontae Adams, Kyle Pitts. Those young receivers, the QBs, I just wrote them all as a group as well. Uh, I put James Cook at the end of this because, Sean, I'm starting to really buy into James Cook, who's a guy that I know you really like this year. Your top five just missed included a couple QBs, Jalen Hurts and Patrick Mahomes. You had Brandon Ayuk, Jahan Dotson, and Diggs. And then you had a list that was next missed and includes some of the running backs that I had, Saquon Barkley, Austin Eckler, Kenneth Walker. You have Josh Allen, Kyle Pitts, Javante Williams. And then you have DJ Moore and Justin Fields, Debo Samuel, and Jerry Judy as your next miss. So a couple interesting names there toward the end. But Sean, the guys who fell out, and we both have six that are currently being drafted in the first two rounds that we did not rank in the first two rounds. In addition to those six, you had Barkley and Pollard. We talked through Pollard a little bit. You also had Barkley falling out, but he's one of your top guys that just missed. Obviously, getting up there in age, uh, you know, fits a lot of the other profile stuff that we talked about with the different running backs, where even if you have a really good year, you're you're potentially going to fall a little bit. I had Devontae and T, which is in part because I'm I'm projecting a, a whole shift of running backs, you know, to come back into the first two rounds. And it basically is sliding those guys into the third in the way that I'm projecting the 2024 draft and, and and in part because they are wide receiver twos it's something that people were arguing against them all off season, this offseason as they sat in the late second that they didn't belong there because they're not even the number ones on their own team it's one of those market forces that's going to exist for them as uh jamar chase and, and a.j brown are still on those offenses but the six that are currently going there and i just named a couple because we had them in our and are just missed but you have Mahomes and Hertz, the quarterbacks, and we are expecting the market to move back. Even though there is a lot of upside, the market to move back a little bit on the early QBs. We've talked through this a lot that we like the late round quarterback strategies. Still taking some early quarterbacks, and there's certainly you know a lot of upside, and it is a different landscape. But the optimism for the quarterbacks and that their ability to be league winners at their at their prices gets trickier. And I mean, I know I'm expecting a little bit more of a okay, we went too high on quarterbacks again, rebound next year. The other names are Derrick Henry and Nick Chubb. Not a huge surprise there. Devontae Adams and Stephon Diggs. And Sean, we talked a little bit about Adams. And I think Diggs fits that as well as a guy who, as he gets a little bit older, if he doesn't have a great season this year, probably starts to slide. Maybe he's a third round pick. Maybe he's in that you know DeAndre Hopkins as he starts to slide. Mike Evans was a second round pick last year that we both said would fall out and has fallen out even though he had another 1000 yard season. Now his quarterback retired, but you know he's viewed as, you know, an older receiver and so even if you continue to be productive it gets trickier as you get older. Diggs certainly heading that direction at least if not going to be there in 2024. What are your big uh thoughts
2: on the guys that fell out in the honorable mentions? It'll be interesting to see how those veterans perform. And you, I think, underlined a a pretty meaningful difference there between Evans and Diggs, which is the quarterback play. I do think that we want to keep an eye on the Bills and how they run their offense going forward. We have some of these situations, even where guys didn't miss time, but rushing quarterbacks got dinged up and it influenced their ability to pass. You have the midseason elbow injury for a Josh Allen and his fantasy numbers are pretty strikingly different in the two halves. You have some accuracy concerns with Allen that really cropped back up last year in a big way. You don't know for sure what Diggs is thinking when he goes on these sideline tantrums and stays away from the team and does some of these types of things. But certainly when a guy has a little bit of a hair trigger and anything goes wrong where he doesn't feel like he's getting that accurate pass when he's open and it does cause problems for the offense. I mean, you'd like to give him the benefit of the doubt and say that the thing he was most upset about as the season sort of concluded last year was that they very quickly went from being kind of the Super Bowl favorites to getting embarrassed at home by the Bengals and he just doesn't want that to happen again. But anytime a player is going to turn 30 during the season and drafters know he's going to turn 31 during the next season. The standard of play there has to be very high. One of the most disappointing players last season was Gabe Davis. One of the other most disappointing players was an Allen Robinson. One of the things that we want to keep in mind when we're targeting players based on their quarterbacks is that a specific quarterback who's elevated a certain player doesn't mean they're going to elevate the next player. Doesn't mean they're going to elevate the wide receiver too. the flip side of that with the bills is that they could be the next team that really tries to upgrade and in a way that I think would be similar to what the chargers have done this season with a Quinton Johnston. And if you get a legitimate young, you know, potential alpha there with the bills, then that obviously is pretty devastating for Diggs as well. I've always loved Diggs. I mean, he's been a road of his favorite since <laughs> the first day he stepped on an NFL field I hope that the season goes well. I, I'm concerned that a lot of his ADP right now is not very much in this amplifying effect with Josh Allen, where they both have to play well and there's some risk there. And so love digs think that he could fall out and probably still not fall that far. We, but the issue with digs, and certainly if you're thinking about this exercise we're doing here and applying it to your dynasty leagues is that you have kind of that multiple fall or multiple level risk with digs where you can get a fall into round three, whereas a 30 year old, you won't be able to trade in for something that is as meaningful as you can still trade him for now. But you also have that potential fall to the Mike Evans level where I mean, people are almost giving Mike Evans away for free. And so you want to consider both of those potential falls and not just the more minor one when you're thinking about pricing, when you're thinking about getting ahead of trades.
1: Yeah, that makes a lot of sense. Sean, this is a blast. I'm always shocked as we look back at the two rounds at how similar they were. They are. We also had a lot of big differences. Perhaps no surprise that they are similar. But again, our top five running backs. We talked about this on the first show. Were the same five names. Our top two were the same two names: Brees Hall and Bijan Robinson. Our top. Risers at receiver, I would say, were were pretty similar. We both had Garrett Wilson and Amon Ross St. Brown making big jumps. You have JSN making a huge jump into the 106 spot. And I haven't been the early second round and I'm the low guy, but that's a pretty big jump for him as well. Uh, we fell, you know, McCaffrey and, and Cooper Cup and Tyreek Hill into the same ranges. Not really disagreeing on a ton of stuff in terms of these profiles. I loved seeing you. You know, plant your flag on the George Pickens and Quentin Johnston plays at the back end of the second round. Those are really fun ones. Got me very excited about them, especially Quentin Johnston, who I have just an absurd amount uh, over on underdog. And I've had taken George Pickens plenty of times as well. That is a really fun group of receivers. And those are two to make sure you have some exposure to this year because they're going to be in the second round next year, according to Sean. I have, yeah, I mean, I just have all these running backs, but Javante Williams, Kenneth Walker, some of those guys that I'm excited for this year. It's gonna be the the dead zone running backs are gonna define the season this year, Sean. That's that's what my list is saying.
2: They definitely are. And we've we've got lots of exposure to those players. So if you are right, we may be counting up a million dollars over there in the FFPC main event. I love that portion of it, Ben. I'm not going to let you go until I do get a bold prediction from you out of your honorable mentions. I'm going to put you on the spot here. I'm going to make you pick a guy looking at these guys that we haven't really dived into in great, great detail in your honorable mention group. You have Dotson, you have Burks, you have Addison, you have James Cook. If you had to pick one guy there as the breakout star who not only is going to get into your second round, but is going to get to the one, two turn, who would you put your money on from your honorable mention area? Because I think
1: drafters are going to be excited for running backs next year. I'm going to go James Cook. And Sean, a big part of that is you have really sold me on him. But I I was, anyone who's been reading it, I was a lot more optimistic about, not a lot more, but I have been drafting more. Damian Harris early in the offseason. He's had some troubles at camp. I'm talking about him sort of competing for the number two job with Latavius Murray, but that didn't really concern me either. I'm not that concerned about Latavius Murray because he's 34 years old. Like, I don't really – that's just – like, that's made up. That's not a real thing. But Damian Harris uh, does have a little bit of knee soreness, some other issues. More importantly, all of the buzz out of camp is that they just absolutely love James Cook. It's everything that you have been basically saying, but I didn't necessarily expect – If you watch the first preseason game, Damon Harris didn't play. They played Cook on the entire first drive. They played Murray on the second drive, but then spelled him with Cook on a passing down. And I was like, okay, well, they're going to do this sort of 60-40 thing. Well, yeah, they're going to let the other backs play, but Cook's going to have the drives to himself when he's out there. And then he's going to come on on the other drives, right, on the passing downs and get get the high-value touches on those downs. Maybe the other guys will compete for his short yardage stuff. But I mean, there's this possibility that they actually treat him, and, and again, got to give you the credit for this, but they actually treat him sort of like his brother in in Minnesota, like 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 Dalvin Cook has been has been treated, right? Like like an actual workhorse, like a a three down guy in a really good offense. And he's explosive. He gets a touchdown run, uh, you know, from a little bit of distance in his first preseason game. If he hits on a few of those, if he catches some passes. If he's their answer to the way that defenses are playing these cover two shells and everything, and you got to beat them underneath. If Diggs is a year older and things aren't great with Diggs, and they can always blow up with Diggs, I think that makes James Cook even more of a focal point potentially of the offense uh, as a playmaker, as an underneath target in the passing game. This team's going to be good uh, regardless. And I think if they're running back does more than anything Devin Singletary has been able to do, you know, a, in these years of the of the Josh Allen era and is able to actually be like a really effective, uh, explosive runner, catch a lot of passes. Maybe it's not round two when I put him in honorable mentions here. I mean, I do think it's kind of hard to envision him getting all the way to round two, but I mean, I could see him pretty easily be around three pick next year sort of knocking on that door, but where people are still sort of like, Oh, you know, it's not, it's not, you know, easy to project him for that. You know, he—I just—I don't—I don't expect him to be an eighty percent snap kind of guy where it's easy to put him in the top two rounds. I guess is the way to put it. But I think he could have a really electric year, and so he's added to you know a strategy piece I just wrote about the running back dead zone and the the backs to target there and how they layer into different rounds. And we've talked about a lot of them on the show the injury the injury sort of rebound ones, the Javante Williams, the J.K. Dobbins, and then he's sort of the the cheapest of those if you consider him a part of that tier, which I am coming to understand that I do. And so I'm, I'm, you know, gotten a lot more aggressive on my ranking on him. And that's a tier that throughout the dead zone, there's options. You know, Kenneth Walker is the fifth round. Earlier, you might get Brees Hall in the fourth. And so there's ways to layer in running back upside in every round in a way that, you know, we've always talked about the young guys are the detours you can take in the running back dead zone, but there's maybe one or two of them that were worth considering it's different this year for the dynamics that we talked about, particularly on the first show, Sean, where we talked about our predictions last year and all of the guys that we expected to jump up last year all got hurt and and didn't actually make that leap. And so now they're in this, this range and we're projecting a lot of them to make the leap again this year and, and be in the first two rounds next year. Now there are risks there. The injuries are not, you know, nothing, but, we have a really interesting draft landscape this year, and the, and the landscape that we're projecting going forward, Sean, for both of us, very different than this year, different at running back in a big way. I'm projecting a lot of names up there. You're projecting different names, certainly. It's going to be really interesting to see how, how this plays out. It'll be a fun one to look back on. We'll do a recap of this and, and, and redo it in season as well, which is something that we always love to do somewhere around you know week eight or something. Um, see how these picks are going at that point and then make some new picks for the rest of the season, kind of some trade deadline stuff for, for managed leagues. So
2: looking forward to all of that. Yeah, I, I can't wait. I can't wait. It's going to be so cool. I think those notes on cook are the perfect way to kind of wrap this up and also tie it together. It wraps back around to my thoughts on Tony Pollard in a lot of ways where the article that I wrote about cook actually (laughs) references him as the next Pollard. And that, you think about that idea there of instead of chasing Pollard's price, we got to find the guy who is cheaper and hopefully Cook stays cheaper. I mean, I, one of these things about the preseason games, you know that I'm this crazy optimist. The preseason games are weird, right? Cause they're almost lose, lose where if your guys don't do well, it makes you nervous, but if they do well, it you know, juices the price. skyrocket yeah, you can't get that full build. And so I'm just like, just like catch one pass and go sit on the sidelines. But <laughs> I, I say that jokingly because – Quentin Johnson was perfect, Sean. He got a lot of work.
1: The team really liked him, but also he dropped passes, which is what held Jamar Chase's price in check his rookie season. He's Quentin Johnson's not Jamar Chase, but it's, it's that type of performance where like, yeah, I mean, he looked like a rookie. That, you know, people aren't freaking out to draft him. So that's exciting.
2: Yeah, yeah. Wonderful time of year. Can't wait for all of the new posts on Ceiling Signals. You want to get over there. I mentioned in the first episode in the series that Ben has been putting out like one a day. So if you are missing your Ceiling Signals fix, get over there. Get signed up. Also subscribe to Ceiling Lines, the betting project with Dalton Cates. Ben, you and I are going to be drafting, or I am going to get to draft with the three of you on Ship Chasing Thursday night. That's going to be a lot of fun. FFPC main event. We're going to have more and more redraft content over these next couple of weeks as obviously then the season is right around the corner. We'd love to have you guys join us over at Rotoviz. The coupon code there is RV Radio 2023 at checkout. And I just want to mention again, so grateful to everyone who leaves us the ratings and the reviews, the comments on YouTube. All of those things help us in a massive way with the algorithm. Uh, as sort of a give back from me, I have. A fantasy pros draft that's FFPC 350 level team that I'm going to do with a listener who leaves a review. So if you want to get in for that, mention you know something about ceiling bananas that means something to you, has helped you with your league, has changed the way you think about fantasy football. Anything there, substantive, that gives people a sense of what they're going to get when they listen to me and Ben. And then maybe it's just that we want to be like discount George Pickens, or we're weird. So (laughs) leave us some reviews. We appreciate it. We'll see you guys soon.